where the whiteboards are, a podcast by educators about all things education. And action. Sup? I've actually, I don't know that I've ever actually introduced the podcast before. Well, it's your your time to do I it. I guess this is my turn. Hi, I am Eric. <laughs> uh, one fourth of the usual hosting of the podcast. Um, so uh, we're doing something a little bit different uh, after Jacob's episode at MASC uh, that inspired me to uh, bring some equipment on the road and to also do a little recap of a. Uh, well, it's a uh, it's it's one of the largest band director orchestra conferences uh, in the world. It's an international conference, um, so there are ensembles from all over the world, clinicians from across the country. Uh, it's really cool situation called the Midwest Clinic, um, and I've brought with me um, a special guest, and I'll allow him to introduce himself now. Hey guys, um, I'm Tyler. I and from Southwest Missouri as well. I teach in a school district near Eric. Um, and we came up to the Midwest Clinic together um, to experience it. This is my second time up here. And this is Eric's first, I believe. Yes. Yeah. First time I've ever been here. Um, but it's one of the best clinics, conferences I've ever been to. Um, and I, I'm enjoying it as much as I did the first time around. So, Yeah. So, I mean, definitely first impressions, I have to say, it is absolutely massive like huge it's it's true it's it's huge and and you know i've i've been to uh large crowd situations before and um uh, you know it's it, it definitely ranks up there um it's almost a little frustrating actually because there's like six different options in each time slot like everything is always overlapping and i want to go to all the things you definitely but, can't do that no, but it's literally impossible because it's like and it's all spread out all over the place at this massive convention center here in Chicago with McCormick place. Good old McCormick place. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely the first, you know, here we are. We're at the end of the first day right now as we record this, um, segment of the, of the podcast. And, um, it just, I reached a point where I kind of just had to sit down for a minute and just stare at the wall and, and, and be okay with the fact that I was not at, you know, seven different things all at the same time. Um, also, the vendor situation. Like, holy cow. There's hundreds of them. Hun- hundreds of vendors. And I, I guess I kind of appreciate how they split it up, where, like, all the noisy vendors are on one side, and then all the vendors where you'd want to have a conversation with people is on the other side. Like, all the schools and everything are on yeah. one side, and then all the, like, Yamaha and... There's some people that come to this conference just to play new instruments for roughly eight hours a day. Yeah, which uh, clearly... <laughs> Not the point. <laughs> all those freaking trumpet players, I swear to God. Trumpet players are the worst. <laughs> yeah, coming from Eric. <laughs> but they, like, I don't know, just a lot of... Well, uh, Sam and I always refer to it as peacocking, right? It's like, I gotta show the feathers, and it's like, look at the highest note I can play. And then another trumpet player at a different booth is like, I'm gonna play this high note. There was some of that today, unfortunately. <laughs> Quite a bit of it. And then, you know, the percussion uh, vendors as well and everything else. So it's pretty cool, honestly, to go and see some of the, like, high-end equipment that is available out there. Um, you know, which you'd see at most any conference. But the, the number 
of purveyors and the size of their displays and everything is just a whole nother world. Yeah, it's incredible to walk through. The first time you walk through it, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. Just because, well, whenever I was here the first time, I didn't expect that. And I walked in and I, I just, <laughs> I just stood there for a second just yeah. to like take it all in. Yeah. Takes you a while to like get oriented and like to just to walk through it. Even I think it took us like thirty minutes, and we weren't stopping necessarily anywhere. I mean, we stopped at the one booth, just going up and down the aisles. Yeah. So there was that, but um, you know, Tyler, I guess share uh, just for the sake of sharing, like what uh, what was your approach to today, and like what was your favorite takeaway? So today, uh, my approach was to. Uh, I went through the schedule and I'd like look to see what was interesting to me and most of it ended up being performances. I went to five performances today. Each of those performances were an hour to an hour and 15 minutes long. Um, so I saw some incredible and heard some incredible live music today. Um, I started off with the U.S. Navy Band. Uh, they did a chamber concert to open the conference at 8.15 a.m., and the music that they were playing that <laughs> early in the morning yeah. uh, was beyond incredible. I hadn't they, finished my morning coffee, and they were on fire. Yeah, they opened up with a brass quintet, followed by a woodwind quintet. And, oh, man, both of those were just maybe the best quintets that yeah. I've heard in a long, long time. Yeah, honestly, like, just... And then the, when the clarinetist, the clarinet section came out, like, and they had the, the E for... And that, just incredible absolutely incredible yeah everything about that concert was top notch so yeah and then you said you also spoke a lot you you talked about the las vegas high school uh yeah so later in the afternoon um i went to see the las vegas academy of the arts um they are a part of the las vegas like public school district um but that high school specifically focuses on uh, developing high school students to have a career in the arts and uh, the performance that they put on was spectacular uh, the director doesn't look like he's over the age of 30 um, <laughs> what am he, I doing with my life <laughs> like he's gotta be but uh, oh it was incredible had the kids in that there were some kids in that ensemble that looked like they were 10 and they were playing better than I can play. <laughs> it's always incredible to watch like those, that, that caliber of ensembles and just to see like what is possible. Um, you know, and, and sometimes I just, I end up asking myself like how much, cause obviously like socioeconomic status is going to have an effect on like what can be achieved. Right. You know, but like how much of that is also like the, the, the teachers themselves, you know, like how much of an effect do they have over like how much of an effect could I have like at my own position? Right. And like the second piece that they played, they played the first movement of the Hindemith symphony in B flat. And it was one of the best live performances I've heard of that in their high school. And yeah. I've heard multiple college ensembles perform that. And like, this was just as good, if not better. Uh, the interpretations that they had throughout, the balance that they had throughout, the accuracy that they were playing with was yeah. mind-boggling for high school students. Yeah, so. that was. I sat through a clinic with Alfred Watkins, who's you know band director of like 37 years and everything like that. Yeah. I think that's part of what I need to keep in perspective is like 
the, these people that I'm watching have like completed their careers. They're like retired at this point, like after right, 35 right. years of band directing. But uh, absolutely incredible insight. He just rehearsed this band and like again, like high school musicians, and they were achieving at like grade five music. You know, like yeah. just incredible caliber of musicianship. Um, yeah, just again to to see like what is what is possible. Yeah, the second performance that i saw today was the rockwood summit high school uh, oh, percussion ensemble yeah uh rockwood summit is a high school in fenton missouri uh near st louis and uh this group was all of their high school percussionists it's probably about th- they had about 30 kids on that stage wow um they probably had it's a lot of percussionists <laughs> yeah they they probably had at least five hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment on that stage. <laughs> uh, they, it was like twenty keyboards and then just all the rows auxiliary. of percussion equipment that they used right. like throughout the entire concert. Um, and that was, I mean, it was the only non-concert band uh, performance that I went to today. But that was top-notch it was kind of theatrical um so like it was a really engaging performance mm. through uh throughout and i it didn't feel like an hour i think that concert was about an hour and five minutes long yeah and that felt like 15 minutes we kept you in it the whole yeah. time that's i mean that's effective performance right there yeah know? and it, it was really exciting that like i know those directors yeah so, like Shout it, out to Peter Rep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that entire uh team Staff, and what they're yeah, doing. Jared Brockmeyer and Jeremy Louie. Yeah. Uh Danny Pace. Yeah. Um th- they're killing it. Uh but everything about it was super exciting and I- I'd watch that performance two, three times in a row and be Yeah, find something else to Yeah. Be happy with it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Man, super cool. So, I mean, the approach to my day, like, I don't know, I, I ended up making a bunch of deliberate decisions to stick to, uh, like, pedagogical, like, sessions, right. yeah. like, through and through. Now, I kind of wish that I had gone to at least one more performance um, just to catch it and, like, break up my day a little bit. Because by the end of the day, I definitely was kind of wore out and fried from it, you know? Um, but... You know, I, I definitely feel like I got a lot out of it just to, like, be reminded of a lot of things that I've already been, you know, that yeah. we've already been taught and that we already do on a daily basis. But then at the same time, like, I'm getting to a point in my teaching experience where I feel like I can, it, it's easier to identify what things are going to, like, immediately, like, directly build upon a found, the foundation I already have established. Right. You know, it's sort of, like, the benefit of being at the same program for, you know, it's my fourth year there yeah. now. Yeah, it's always, whenever I go to sessions like that, it's always nice for them to, like, tell us to do things. And I'm like, oh, I'm already doing that. Yeah. Um, and that makes me feel good as a teacher. But um, it's the... Every single one that I go to, I always have a new idea coming out of that I want yeah. to try. Yeah. Um, some renewed uh, vigor. Yeah. <laughs> so being uh, Getting excited about doing it. Again. Yeah. Uh, because it's super easy to just, like, get caught up in the day-to-day and, like, 
a yeah. monotonous routine. Right. Um, so the, that's what those clinics are all about. Yeah. And like, try as I may, try as I might, it's, I, I try to stay out of students. Um, you know, they get caught up in like the really simple stuff and I do my best to not also get like wrapped into that in any way, but inevitably like to some degree I do because it's interrupting their effectiveness as a member of the ensemble. Right. And so then in some way or another, I'm having to deal with it as like the leader of the ensemble. Um, and so it's nice to like come to a place where we're actually just talking like about the profession and like the art of, of teaching like the right. subject. So in a, in a theoretical stance, uh, almost because you're not, you're yeah. not dealing directly with the kids. Yeah. So like, uh, getting those ideas is great. And being able to put them in your back pocket, um, and pull them out whenever you need to is always uh, really handy, um, especially when you're in the middle of rehearsal because that's not always what you're thinking about. Right. You're wanting to focus on the music. So the less you can necessarily like think about the strategies that you're using, mm -hmm. uh, the more effective th that can be. Yeah. I mean, it's just like improvising. Yeah. Like a jazz solo. You know, like you spend all your time in the practice room, like shedding the vocabulary, you know, and just establishing like, Oh, this, these are my f two, five, one arpeggios right. or whatever. But then whenever it comes to actually playing a solo, you just, you just play wh who was miles Davis or somebody like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to misquote, <laughs> but uh, when you get up there, man, you just play. Yeah. You're not thinking about all this stuff. And it's the same thing. Like leading the ensemble. It's, you know, you, after practicing it so much or like after being exposed to it, in these like external ways right you know then in the act it's just like something clicks yeah and it's not going to happen like without thinking the first time in the classroom but yeah. uh if you have it and you're thinking about it and you're like okay if the situation comes up this is how i'm going to handle it and if it works great use it again if not throw it away yeah right that's the thing. I, I think I end up forgetting or unintentionally throwing away a lot of things I intend to use. <laughs> but, you know, and like you said, you get caught up in the day-to-day -day and it's like, oh, I got to work towards, you know, for to prepare for solo and small ensemble or, or for the, right. you know, the spring concert coming up, whatever. There's so a lot like, that we do. Oh, yeah. And then, then all of that just, like, gets in the way of actually, like, conscientiously crafting Right. The, the, the approach. You yeah. Know? And instead it's literally like running. And I mean, I, I don't know how much of it, I feel like it makes a big difference, but like I imagine having another adult in the room, like an assistant band director, like does an immense amount yes. of like, uh, and I don't just mean like, oh, thank God you can take half the work, but just like somebody to like keep you sane, somebody who like understands. Right. Like, on the ground what, yeah what's going and on. i i'm in a situation uh for those that are listening uh i i'm in a situation where i am able to co-teach all day long um with another band director so uh whenever i'm trying something um or if i have an idea or if he also has an idea we we bounce it off each other we make sure everyone's on board um Typically, one of us will lead a class, and then the other one will be pulling out smaller groups, pulling out individuals, monitoring behavior, yeah. um, and just, like, being able to do that. And, and that's so awesome. Like, you can get so much done with that. Yes. Uh, it, it 
becomes uh, I've been spoiled because this is where I, this is the situation I've been in my entire career. Yeah, so far. Um, which this is year five, and I, this this is really all I know. Yeah. Uh, I have not been in a situation where I've really had to like figure everything out on my own, which is a great situation, but also like I haven't been thrown into the fire as much as yeah. some people have. Yeah. Um, but being, having that second adult in the room helps immensely. Yeah. I just, I think it has an effect. Like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a two edged sword because ultimately in my situation being the only actual like administrator of the band in any way, um, the only other people who are effectually like, like helping to make ownership type decisions for the program are children you know, like, and I like for whatever that's that is. a scary situation. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're high schoolers. They're still children, um, which is like, that's good because it's their program and it's only going to be what they make it. And like the right. ownership can like foster, you know, more investment and like yeah. a, a positive feedback loop there. Um, but at the same time, then like if I get swamped and like, well, now I'm going to go like my attention can only be focused on, uh, immediate needs like what's the thing that needs to be addressed right now right um but that means that everything else kind of like slips and slides and there's nothing that i can ask a kid to do like with some of those like hey go make these po's for me like right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not I, I can't i'm not gonna have have one of them do that yeah and uh really having that second director in the room is like it's nice for high school because there's not by the time we get to high school, the kids that are in our class, they want to be in band. Yeah. And uh, they're typically not there to cause issues. Um, or just, you know, like, have attention brought to themselves. Uh, but whenever you're, whenever we have the kids in junior high, um, the kids that are there are not always as invested in the class as some of the other kids are. And that's where we see more behavior issues. Yeah. Uh, but having that second adult in the room to help like stop focus. that. focus, yeah. Because, like, if someone starts acting up, the other, uh, whoever's not leading that classroom mm -hmm. jumps right in, yeah. either sits right next to that kid or takes them out into the hall, Yeah, um, has a chat. And we try to do that without really distracting the class to yeah. where it's bringing attention to that student. Because typically, whenever that's happening, that's what the student wants. Yeah. Um, they want the attention on them. So uh, they'll get that individual attention. Right. But without stopping whatever we're doing in the class. Yeah. yeah. So you can still lead like an effective rehearsal. How many are in your high school band again? Remind me. High school band is about 40. Um, junior high band is about 35. And then and this you, year. Do, you do 8 through 12? We do, no, uh, so for concert band, we do 9 through 12. For marching band, uh, we do invite some 8th graders. Um, yeah. If they meet uh, certain requirements that we uh, give them at the beginning of the year in 7th grade. Okay. Um, but it's a way to reward the kids that work hard in 7th grade. Mm -hmm. um, but it, the students that are able to participate in marching band in 8th grade see an immense amount of growth just because they're no longer the best musicians in the room. Yeah. Um, and my goal, uh, 
or whenever I was learning how to become a better musician, and I still am every day. Right. Um, but the best way to become a better musician fast is to not be the best musician in the room. And oh, yeah. Just, like, listen and not, I mean, yes, listen to what your directors have to say, but listen to music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really, that was my goal for today uh, with all the performances. Yeah. Um, see what's possible, but also there's better musicians on that stage that I can learn from um, and make myself a better musician, better teacher in that process. Yeah. That was something I ended up saying to the ensemble a couple of times, like on accident, and then I just liked what it sounded like, so I kept saying it. Um, but music is the art of listening. Yeah. Like, ultimately, like, the fun, the foundation of music making. Got two is, ears for a reason. Right. The art of listening. And it's, if you're not listening, you don't know what sound to produce. Or, like, the sound, if the sound you're producing is good, you know? Right. And so, I, I feel like a lot of, half of our job as a band director, mm-hmm. or just a music teacher in general, is to share good listening examples with the students. So they know what sounds that they should mimic. Yeah, like you can't talk about a characteristic sound on the trumpet if they've never heard a characteristically sounding trumpet. Right. Yeah. Um, and whenever I, I run into that most with jazz. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because uh, white kids from southwest Missouri <laughs> don't really know what jazz is. Yeah. Uh, so it's our job to int- introduce that to them. And if they're going to be... If they're interested in jazz and they want to be a good jazz musician, they need to know what it sounds like. And that's not going to happen because it's not pop music for them. They they right. either have to search it out or you have to provide it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you know, like th- listening. It, sorry, I just, you, you said, you know, it's not pop music for them. And it made me think about how like that, like the, the, the music that we have in schools uh, was put in schools when that was pop music. Right. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, do you see any pop music ensembles in schools? Like, no. Uh, it's, a, it's a rarity. I, I've, I've, like, seen some people do something like it. Yeah. Uh, but it's very, very rare. And that's, so, this is what I'm, like, really excited about with the program this year, is I've, I was able to introduce, like, a composition ensemble. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, the second semester we've already talked about it and like we're going to make our approach one more of like a pop ensemble like right. solid like core rhythm section with a, like a horn section yeah kind of thing going on and so with pep band and everything whenever we play basketball games mm-hmm. uh, i try to introduce it a new song every year yeah um this year one of the songs i added was the cupid shuffle i know it's not like necessarily like today's pop no. but like it's it's closer. Yeah. <laughs> it's closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it at least feels more modern than Smoke on the Water and Land of a Thousand Dances. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, what would a pet band be book or a pet band book be without those tunes Smoke in the Water and Iron Man? It doesn't exist. Le- exactly. It doesn't exist. Instant concert. I don't know. Did your did your band ever play instant concert? We did not. No? Oh, no. man. Okay. That was like a big deal for my pet band yeah. in high school. A- another, gotcha. Uh, another song that I introduced this year um, was, uh, not necessarily for the kids, but for my enjoyment. Yeah. It's uh, Rock Lobster. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just like makes me think of Hoover. 
Uh, it's it's a really fun arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, that song cracks me up. Yeah. Um, and because I got really excited about it, about half of the kids got really excited. Okay. Yeah. Um. So th- that was the that was the hope. So. Yeah. Hey, that's like at least half the battle, right? If you can get them excited about it. Yeah. That'll that's do all more you need. for that. That'll do more for your program than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you need fundamentals and good musicianship and, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, <laughs> optional. Yeah. <laughs> musicianship, <laughs> optional. Yeah. We're, it's just noisemakers in their hands. Yeah, right? Oh, God, noisemakers. <laughs> Such noisemakers. All right. Well, I mean, so I feel like that's as good as any recap of a day one at the 76th annual Midwest Clinic here in yeah. Chicago. Um you know, I figure we can check in again tomorrow. Sounds good to me. Um, see if we have any new profound thoughts, and we'll compile all these together uh, into a singular episode. Or um, to the same episode. <laughs> the oh, exact same one. The exact same episode. You're going to listen to the last 15 minutes again. Yeah. Um, same exact episode. Uh, day two at the 76th Annual Midwest Clinic for international clinic for band and orchestra which uh yeah why don't they include choir like is it would it just be too many people band and orchestra is better man controversial (laughs) so so bold and yet so brave well why else wouldn't they be included i don't know i assume because they have their own thing going on acd or need instruments to be superior not acd what's their What's the choir? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Doesn't matter. I'm not. I don't teach choir. So, um, yeah, it is. Uh, well, I guess currently eleven o'clock at night. Uh, so forgive us if uh, we are tired. Uh, we'll try not to ramble. It's past my bedtime. Or f- <laughs> we'll try not to fall asleep on the microphone here. Um, I don't know. What were what? Your, you start with your takeaways. What, what was a good takeaway from today? Oh, man. Uh, quick review of the schedule for my day. Um, I should grab my notebook. I spent uh, most of the morning um, in the H.R. Reynolds Conducting Institute, which oh, is yeah. essentially a uh, conducting workshop um, where I went and I watched people conduct a group and then the great hr reynolds and michael haithcock um clinic those conductors and taught them how to be better um and really just teaching them how they can be more effective in their communications with their gestures without uh giving direct instruction to um the players uh the more you can streamline that process the better your rehearsals are going to go um so it's always nice to see what people are doing, um, what some common mistakes are, and how to fix those uh, mistakes. Um, after that, I went to the O'Fallon Township High School uh, high school concert, and they are from O'Fallon, Illinois, which is just east of St. Louis. And holy cow! What what a performance! It was it was a stacked it was a stacked uh, 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 list. Yeah. Uh, program that's what i'm trying to say it may have been the best non-professional performance of the conference so far 
Yeah, I, I, that would be an easy claim to make, absolutely. I mean, when they played Darty's Niagara Falls, like, the MSU Wind Ensemble played that, like, my third semester in Wind Ensemble. Right. Like, <laughs> what? It just destroyed it? Yeah, and they just absolutely demolished that piece of music. And then, like, that last piece with, um, who was the drummer? Um, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Me neither. I'd have to look at the program. But, like, what an energetic end to a literally hour-long set. This one band yeah, played for an hour at, at a very high caliber. And it was, uh, I mean, no, very, very few mistakes, if there were any. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoyable, enjoyable performance. Cohesive, like, round, symphonic sound. Yeah. Uh, just... I, if I could get my high school students to sound, you know, 60% of that, I'd yeah. be happy. Yeah. Or just, you know, to blend their own sounds. But, I mean, that's the goal, right? It is. That's the whole goal. It is the goal. And, like, watching that performance, like, we talked about this earlier, um, but, like, I always, my brain always comes back around to, like, you know, why can't, like, age obviously isn't the barrier. No. You know, like, age is not the barrier. So like the age of my students, like I should, I feel like I should, if I'm a capable educator, be able to like train them up to that level of musicianship. Yeah. But the amount of resources that they have compared to what you have is immensely different. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like one, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily take money to make music. I mean, I know uh, realistically like it does because you have to afford the instrument. Like the instrument has to be there in the first place. Yeah. But, but every single student in their top ensemble is required to take private lessons. Yeah. And I mean, it's true that that's not something I can demand. Yeah. Like of, of my current ensemble. If you could, though, your ensemble would be incredible. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, in the program, they had listed their like personal lesson faculty yeah like they had a list of like 20 names of, of people who just there were a lot yeah um and it actually reminded me of another session i went to yesterday uh where these three administrators uh from the spring school district yeah down in where is it houston something like that that, yeah. that area of texas whatever they they presented about like how things change over time because they had like passed the program off like one to another and uh, one of them talked about, like, you have to invest in the expectation. Like, you don't, like, programs should not be uh, funded based on, like, their past success. Right. They should be funded based on what do you expect to see from them. Yeah. Um, but the one of the biggest challenges of what we do is getting other people to understand that and the and by other people i mean the people that are able to help fund that hold uh, the cards yeah because it takes a mountain to really do anything yeah um especially of that level so yeah but it's that that's an incredible program that they have going um, it is it is yeah they're consistently top 25 marching bands in the country uh and i mean the musicianship that they have in their top ensemble and i'm i know they have uh three or four other ensembles at their high school um that they're able to uh 
fill and like make music with on a daily basis. Hmm. Incredible. Um, let's see. After that, uh, where did I go? I know. Uh, so we went and got lunch at that ramen place. Yeah. Oh, Excellent. delicious. Excellent ramen. And then I went to the Madrid Royal Conservatory Trumpet Ensemble. And oh, my God. I've that the sound that they were able to produce, I, I literally jaw dropping. Like I, I don't have like actual words to describe like the experience of sitting there and having eleven trumpets play and it sounds like somebody hit like the keyboard of an organ. Right. It, it's just like filled the room. You could not pick a single individual out. Like you could hear all the parts, but you could not pick out an individual. It was that's always nice. Transcendental, it, absolutely incredible experience. Um, I'm really happy that I went to that performance. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there. But well, what did you you went to? I went to the Allen High School uh, performance. Uh, I think it was around that time. Yeah, um, I think it started like 15 minutes after. Yeah. Um, Allen High School is a school in, in Texas in. They also play the snot out of their performance. Yeah. Um, they had uh, guest conductor uh, Kevin Sedatal from Michigan State. Um, they also had uh, Joe Luloff, the saxophone professor at uh, Michigan State as well. Uh, he played the third movement of Stephen Bryant's concerto for saxophone. Mm -hmm. And it was... I mean, that was the best thing on the concert. Uh, but it was so, so good. Um, yeah, it it was mind-boggling to hear what he did. So it, it was also yeah. very entertaining to watch him. <laughs> you said he was animated in his he, performance. He, is, he moves very... He moves a lot. <laughs> he moves a lot. Um, he, he probably took up a good, like, 7 by 7 space on the stage just throughout the performance just dancing around moving to the yeah. music yeah let's see uh i also went i i've been such a nerd and i've been geeking out over it i got myself a new baton today uh really like for one of the sessions and uh i think just because of the way it was organized i didn't get as much as i wanted out of it i think um like it wasn't bad like it was still good information don't get me wrong right um but it just uh maybe i don't know it was cramped in there there's a lot of people yeah and uh i wasn't able to actually like stretch my arms out or I don't you know. do have long arms I, I do have very long arms and then i got a 16 inch baton so it's like it's like six foot five proportioned arm however long these arms are what like three foot long three and a half foot long whatever yeah, they're, long. they're not three and a half <laughs> i mean they're i'm long. seven foot tall <laughs> yeah they're long arms and then you put 16 more inches at the end of it um but i've i don't know i've just been geeking out about that you know i guess that's a literal physical takeaway for me today right. yeah 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 well i don't really have much more oh we went to see uh the airman of note airman of note what a final loud performance yeah loud they are a tight tight ensemble though yes every everything they played was just top notch honestly mcdonald uh what's his what's his first name bruce uh, not bruce uh Oh, I forgot his first name. And yeah. I also forgot his rank. A master the lead trumpet sergeant. player. Yeah, the lead trumpet player. Like, 
the first you know hour of the set was him just warming up and then he actually went into his upper register yeah and he was still just smacking like f's out yeah it just made it seem easy yeah yeah he did they all did but that's that you know that's the thing it's just it's it's nice to see these professional ensembles um in a professional setting surrounded by people who like get it appreciate it yeah like get it and so whenever they're getting into it you know that it's like it's good yeah you know <laughs> like it's good and it's always i don't know about you eric but like for me it's always it's hard for me to get into music and like appreciate it yeah um just if it's not like high quality music i i just like analyze it and like i'm like right. oh and, and i gotta apart. pick it apart yeah so whenever i can hear a live performance and i can just sit there and say yeah this, yeah that this is, is how it. it's supposed to sound this is it yeah um, and enjoy it it's it's always a delight yeah absolutely absolutely you know it, it's not always obvious to me but uh like that is a form of professional development as well i feel like it keeps our ears sharp yeah. You know, so that whenever like I'm rehearsing my own ensemble, like I have that aural memory right. of like what band can sound yeah, like. Yeah, you can't just uh go into sixth grade band every day, put your earplugs <laughs> in and uh hope for the best. Uh, Still sounds like a chainsaw, kids, keep it up. <laughs> let me tell you what, I, I use earplugs in sixth grade band because it gets loud in that room. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I use I use earplugs in all of them, honestly, until it starts getting closer to concert time because I find that it does help me like fine tune what I'm listening to in the ensemble. But whenever we're like hacking out notes and rhythms, I'm like, I don't need my ears don't need this right now. Like they need to be playing. Yes. But like for my own personal like Ear musicianship, help. yeah. Um, I need yeah. to be able to hear in ten years. Yeah, and I still, you know, I have my ear racers, so they—it's not like they're just foam earplugs, you know. They right, they're good earplugs. Yeah, but yeah, you know, more more music nerd geek out stuff. We are not sponsored by ear racers, but we both love them. Oh uh, yeah, no, they're fantastic. Yep. Hey, sponsor us. <laughs> I would love to receive a new pair of medium ear racers every six months for the rest of my life. Thank you. You know, I'd be on board for that too. You know. Is that, uh, that's that's about how often I replace them. I'll, I'll push them to nine months sometimes, but yeah, you go through them a little faster than I do. Yeah, and we're back. End of day three. Hey, Eric. Oh, hey, Tyler. How's it going, man? <laughs> man, it's a whirlwind to wrap up. Honestly, like especially like as we were leaving, they were doing that. Like the the whole like central hall was filled with like tam tams and gongs and they were all like metal clicking on the gong yeah and they were all like hitting them and like playing different random things on them there's like probably 30 different gongs through the hallway it was a lot i walked into the hallway and i was like what is going on (laughs) yeah and i read one of the things was for the winter solstice and i I don't know that was pretty cool but like already my head was spinning with like no, I don't want this to be over yet. And but at the same time, like you know, the snowstorm is blown in, and everybody's losing their minds about it. So yeah, I, it's just like a so like a big mix of like, well, here we are. You know, it's it's done at this point, and we're you know packing up the hotel. But uh, here, day three. What what you what you like from your day three? Uh, I started off my day with a clinic called When the Conductor and Composer Are One, um, and it was basically a panel of mark Camphouse, quincy hilliard and laura estes Camphouse, i do yeah. know that i, I know that name. oh he yeah. writes good stuff yeah 
Um, and basically, uh, I'll, I'll just read you like the four questions that they discussed. Um, they discussed like uh, balancing the creative versus the practical application of their music. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, like, uh, what are their opinions on people interpreting their music or changing their music to fit the needs of the ensemble? Yeah. Um, uh, they asked if they've discovered new layers in their own music while conducting and rehearsing their music. Hmm. Um, they like asked if that has created any new insights for their future compositions. Yeah. Um, and then like what external influences on composing and conducting yeah. have they've um, had in their life. Uh, the main takeaway from this was, especially uh, if you're uh, making music in a school setting, they mm. were like, modify our music however you need to, uh, yeah. to make sure that what what's on the page is heard. Yeah. Um, so like, if you don't have the instrumentation to play a piece... Mm-hmm. It's okay. Play the piece. It's, g- it's still good music. Yeah. Um, the only thing that they really asked was to make sure that uh, the timbres that they have, like for specific instruments, like if you don't have a bassoon, yeah. you don't just like give it to a tuba player. Right. <laughs> um, try to like match timbres as closely as you can. So you'd want like a saxophone or maybe yeah, like a low some trumpet. low reed instrument. Yeah. Um, so essentially, that was really all that they asked. Um, they also mentioned that um, they've heard their pieces played and like they like the interpretation of how other people have conducted it more yeah. than themselves. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that I thought that was really funny. Um, I mean, it's really cool that the composers are like so open to like no 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 make this fit the needs of your ensemble like to right to be used in the educational setting. Yeah, because good music is good music. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be played on specific instruments or uh, if there's a solo written, like uh, Laura Astis especially, um, she spent her, uh, I think she said like 33 years um, teaching middle school band. Yeah. And then over the past four years since she's retired has spent that time composing. Yeah. Um, music spe- like specifically for that age. Yeah. To make sure that there is educational and good music written for that age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, that is applaudable. Yeah. Because, like, after a 30-some-year career, you'd be like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> it, it would be really easy to do that. But, like, uh, she was she's super dedicated to, like, make sure that uh, the repertoire that is available for young bands is good and enjoyable for them yeah you can take the teacher out of the classroom you can't take the classroom out of the teacher correct yeah cool yeah i um you know i i don't man seriously it all just turns into a blur like this whole thing has been so huge you know like i said like i didn't want it to end but at the same time i'm absolutely like tired right (laughs) you know my feet kind of hurt and like it it had to end at some point you know um today's sessions that i went to i'd like this was not intentional at all, but all of them just ended up being very uh, inspirational, motivating sessions um, rather than like specific pedagogy or like right. approaches to the podium or like, you know, anything like that. Um, I still went, I saw the Vandercook College of Music. I saw them perform and it, it, it was good. You know, don't get me wrong. Like um, I just, 
I think because it's the last day and I was feeling a little bit tired, I, I kind of just sat through it instead of was really being enthralled right. by that performance. And I don't mean that to take away from their ensemble at all. It was a magnificent ensemble. Yeah. Uh, performed really well. But like those those other sessions, it's just like, you know, band directors of like 30 years. Actually, there is this... Uh, this one where uh, they talked, like it was titled, uh, From Getting Kicked Out of the Band Hall to Running the Band Hall. And the the presenters, um, Eric Jimenez and Justin, whoops, forgot his last name. I'll have to check my notes there. Um, but they, they, they talked about how, like growing up, they talked about their musical, like cultural identity and very specifically said, like, we didn't see that, like not a single time in the band classroom did we see ourselves represented in that class? Right. And so like, of course it's like really difficult to like, yeah. like to reach that demographic. It's and, a miracle and, that they're still here. Yeah. And, and bring them into the fold and, and just being, you know, intentional and aware. Um, and they talked about checking biases and stuff like that. And it was, right. you know, ultimately like at the root of it, it was diversity and inclusion, you know, but like they didn't frame it that way. They were literally just speaking from like, Hey, this was my experience. And now like, you know, they're, they have like 20 years experience in the field and right. all this other stuff. Cause they did decide to stick with it, but that was really cool and inspirational. And I just, I don't know. I felt really motivated coming out of it today Good. like felt like i was in the right place and i also started to uh form more of a distinction between like the the educator and the conductor and the performing musician you know right. and like sometimes like i feel like if i'm not being the absolute best of all three you know then i'm, I'm failing in some way but like inaccurate <laughs> right but that that's just the thing is like each of those three things are like so distinct and like takes so much energy to like truly optimize. Um, but like ultimately like you can't do it all. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I don't know, I, at this point coming out of it, like there's just a lot of self-reflection that needs to be done as far as deciding like, which is the most important to me and which do I want to focus on developing first, you know, right. not that I'm not going to develop the other ones, but like, do I, do I want to focus on being the educator? Do I want to focus on being the conductor? Do I want to focus on being the, perf like the performing musician? Um, cause you know, like I said, like I keep all three of them in my life in some way, like in a mix. Right. Um, but yeah, just that focus of energy. And I think being intentional with that is, is going to be one of the, one of the best points of growth for me moving yes. forward. Yeah. Out of absolutely. this. I will say the last thing that I uh, did for the conference was go see the Oklahoma University Sooner Bassooners. <laughs> Sooner Bassooners. <laughs> uh, it was like 16 or 17 bassoons on the stage. It's a lot of bassoons. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize that bassoons could do like 30-second note runs. Like, I mean, there's still a woodwind. <laughs> yeah, but like who who has that kind of dexterity for the left thumb? Yeah, exactly. Like with... All and, and eight like keys. The, and the, the, the spread, yeah, like on my like, hands. It's not a comfortable spread for your non-intuitive fingerings as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, uh, why can't we just use the BEM system? Yeah, it was, it was a really, really good performance. Um, and uh, the, they killed it. Um, they, apparently, they performed here four years ago as well. Oh, really? Like, the, the second they were able to come back, they, they, they were invited back. <laughs> Man, imagine. Just imagine <laughs> being at that level. Yeah, and like... Uh, uh, there were a couple of the people that played bassoon that also sang in the middle of the uh, performance as really? well. Like vocally trained yeah. musicians that 
also play bassoon. Just fantastic. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> um, I, I would have, I'd watch that again. Man, how unique, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to imagine the sound of 16 bassoons and it just. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very clear. Yeah, I'm sure. Like everything, uh, they had about four people on a part. Uh, the people yeah. that were playing first part had mm-hmm. roughly a five octave range on their bassoon. Oh, you'd have to. <laughs> yeah, and, like above right a spring high. Right. So, so uh, who's the who's their instructor there? Was, like clearly, oh, um, some brilliant pedagogy going on there. Uh, Rodney Ackerman. Ackerman. Rodney F. Ackerman. Okay. Yeah. Um, just has one hell of a bassoon studio yeah (laughs) clearly yeah uh (laughs) he it it felt very much like a room full of bassoon players (laughs) it it was a weird vibe but i was into it (laughs) cool cool man that's super cool it's a good way it's a good way to close it out yeah yeah well um yeah i don't know i mean obviously i there's plenty more I think to talk about oh, and like absolutely. decompress from this. I mean, we're still like literally we were at the hotel, like not even an hour ago and then loading up the shuttle to come over here. Um, but dear listener, I'll have you know that Tyler and all the times he's been to Chicago has never seen Cloudgate, the the mirrored bean in millennium park. Well, we're about to go there, but we're about to go check that out and eat some food and race the snowstorm back before things i guess nuclear bombs are going to drop out of the sky and i mean there's you, you said it uh, that's that's what it is that's what it is the alarms are going off right now i can hear them <laughs> we woo yeah we we, <laughs> we woo uh thank you for listening thank you for uh indulging uh our professional development here at the 76th annual uh midwest international clinic for band and orchestra and if you like band and orchestra you should come in the future oh my god like i definitely am going to be finding a way to come in the future because there's just so much going on here and like so many big names every single concert i know that we already i just wrapped up but like i gotta say postscript right like ps every single concert had like the composers of the pieces who are still alive sitting there watching these ensembles perform their music and pretty casually too. yeah pretty casually pretty you got you got that picture with john mackey yeah he's wearing like an ugly christmas sweater it's just like he didn't care what yeah did not care it's just like so casual and it's like i'm always afraid like as i'm walking through the vendors and stuff i like bump into somebody and i'm like oh excuse me it's like richard saucedo i'm like oh okay (laughs) not actually this time but like i'm afraid that that's what what's going to happen to me anyways definitely coming back in the future thanks for listening thank you go team (laughs) hey thanks for listening to where the whiteboards are If you have any comments, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address. It is WTWA at 277media.com, where the whiteboards are, WTWA at 277media.com. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work.